Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Tactic. And we are the hosts of the Too Vague podcast this week, where our word is a very Halloween Halloweeny. It's a Halloweeny. It's a Halloween themed word, not a Halloweeny. Horror. Ooh. Ooh. How do you say horror? Horror. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if there's a way that it's different. It just it's horror. Yeah, horror. It's like um did you watch the um what was it? 30 Rock. I did not. Okay. Like the rural juror? No. So you're not going to get any of this, so we'll just skip it. <laughs> so before we get into horror, we have a question from our folks in the audience in a segment we call <laughs> Questions from My Aunt. You know what? It's getting it's getting to be, the, be a point where I think people are annoyed with us. So we'll just say, we'll just... You know, I, I won't do the introduction. I'll just say it's a question my aunt has about the show and then just be done with it, right? No, I like questions from my aunt. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. So we'll we'll keep it. We'll keep it then. You should do an audio track introing it though. Oh, okay. Since now I've got the ability to have someone else come in, I mean, I could give her a call and just have her ask the question. So that would be fun. But anyway, uh, she has a question. Her question from our episode 15, we were talking about how open world games have more substance than first person shooters. Her question is, what is an open world game and what is a first person shooter? So I can take the first person shooter. That's the perspective. So in a first person shooter, it's a game where you run around with guns and shoot people. Generally, you can see your hand and see the gun. FPS is just first-person shooter, meaning first-person perspective, and a shooter. So, Tactic, do you want to take the open-world game? Well, first thing I want to say is a first-person shooter can be an open-world game, but all not all open-world games can be first-person shooters. It's one of those square-rectangle uh, paradigms. Now, as far as what an open-world is... For me, an open-world game is a game that I will never finish and will just become enamored with side quest. <laughs> and so the possibilities are endless. You can travel basically anywhere and do whatever you want. If you don't want to touch the story with a 10-foot pole, you can, you can not do that. You can just go off and do all the side quests and just have fun with the game. Yeah, That is what I define an open-world game as. So is that a game descriptor that you do you prefer that in a game um do you like an open world or or do you prefer something that's more linear or is it a little bit of both for you yeah i'm I'm gonna have to say that it depends on my mood okay. there are some days where i i'm into a skyrimy type game there are other days where i just want to quick get in get through the story get out and call yeah. it a day yeah for for example watchdogs i wanted nothing to do with the open worldness of it i just focused on the main plot line and finished it up that was uh that was the one where you could have an army of grandmas right or something like that it was <laughs> did you do the army of grandmas i just stuck with the one guy that i thought was cool and didn't really like leverage anyone else on my team okay I was kind of boring, if I'm being honest. The game in general, or the way in which I like developed my team, I was I didn't put any effort into. Okay, that. that was one of those games that I was kind of on the fence about trying. But in general, I am not a fan of 
too much of an open world unless it has a distinct storyline. I think one of the things that Skyrim had, it did have an open world, but the main storyline felt like it transcended. Um, it was a good, it was a good fun storyline. So if I was in the mood to just wander, I could do that and stumble upon some side quests that get me some good loot or whatever accidentally. And, um, it was kind of cool or just hidden sort of quests. But I think that game hit the balance pretty well. Also something like Fallout did a pretty good job of that too. But generally, unless it has a good story, I just, you know, I'm a fan of weird storylines in general and the open world this kind of gets in my way sometimes. So I get I get lost in the open world and never finish those games. Both games that you just mentioned, I got lost in and usually due to my lack of saving, you know, various save points, you know, when you can have multiple saves and instead of just overwrite over oh, and yeah. overwrite. I, I end up basically trapped in a place that's much higher level that I can't get out of without severely losing progress. Right. I've done that on both. In Fallout, I'm trapped in the radioactive wasteland and cannot get out. Mm-hmm. And in Skyrim, I'm trapped in the wizard college because I went to the strongest, biggest guy and punched him in the face deep <laughs> in the college. <laughs> so every time I spawn, I die and then respawn and then die. And it's yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. I think those particular things are also, it, you're at the mercy of how well they um, they tested them. You know what I mean? Like the the spawn points and things. And it's something like Skyrim that's so vast is probably really difficult to play test appropriately or QA test appropriately. So well, when you punch the, the head honcho in the college, in the wizard college, all of the other wizards are come at you in the whole building. So it doesn't matter where your point was, there's always going to be someone who's stronger than you. Right, right. You down. Did you do that on purpose? Did you just want to see what happened? Yeah, kind of. And now I know. <laughs> I'm reckless when it comes to these games. I'm absolutely reckless. And then as far as Fallout goes, I didn't have my, my suit to protect me from radioactive uh, rays, and I just sprinted deep, 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 deep into that zone because I just wanted to get there and see if I can get there. I got there and then die, die, die. Right. I'm an idiot when it comes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you stick to no open worlds because you're just too reckless. I get too impatient and want to get to the next point without doing the effort of getting to the next point. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's the answer to the question. So let's talk about the word horror just in time for Halloween. Also, Nora's birthday, Halloween. Happy birthday, Nora. Yeah. Happy birthday, Nora. Buy yourself a PlayStation 4. Or, well, a 5. If you buy a PlayStation 5... Get two. Yeah, buy a PlayStation 4 and a PlayStation 5. Give me the PlayStation 5, and I'll watch it for you. (laughs) While you're, you know, getting used to playing games on a PlayStation 4. It's kind of you. She really wants to play. She really wants to kill people with a banana. I mean, who doesn't? Who And who doesn't? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> so, the word horror. What is your first thought when I say the word horror? What mainly comes to mind is a specific set of horror films. Okay. That got, that got their debut, debut on YouTube. Oh. So, you know, 
typically when I think of movies, right, the the scariest movie I've I've ever seen was Pet Cemetery. Okay. But I'm I don't really have fear of anyone's pet that was buried in the ground coming at me. Okay. You know, or anyone's kid for that matter. Right. That that's not a real thing. However, I do have two very large fears that sort of spook me when like if if the dog has to go out late at night, say say two in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two things that that I'm actively like looking out for because I am constantly scared of them. Number one, and feel free to laugh at me, aliens. Okay. The movie, the interactions of the fourth kind or the fourth kind or whatever it was. Oh, you're talking came out, Close Encounters of the Third yes, Kind? That came out, it, was, it came out around 10 years ago, something like that. Oh, okay. And it was sort of a paranormal activity uh, camera shooting style. Okay. And it just chilled me to the bone. But that is not the, the scariest thing that freaks me out when I am outside at night. Because, you know, I've, I've seen a UFO in the sky and it did a weird checker mark thing and like i was with my dad and he saw it too so it's not like i was just my eyes take playing tricks on me Mm -hmm. so like i I definitely believe that there's something out there but i always feel like you know either a i'd i'd have i'd see it coming and i'd be screwed so there's nothing i could do about it or b it's statistically unlikely because you know vast universe and what have you the other one, and this is the bigger one, and that's why I'm saving it for second, is have you ever heard of Slenderman? This is the YouTube series. I'm, oh, I'm yes. Yes, I have heard of Slenderman. He's so slender, and everything outside, be it a tree, a light post, whatever, resembles that jerk. And it just makes walking late at night horrifying. And there's your word. Horror. <laughs> Horrifying. Are you afraid that that person actually exists? Is that is that your fear? Because horror and fear are kind of kind of go hand in hand, right? So Slenderman is based on sort of child abductions, right? Right. And and it's really based on the premise of beings lurking in the shadows to abduct you. Right. That's very much a reasonable fear. Mm-hmm. It's not this larger-than-life figure, mm-hmm. but you know, people watching you at night up to no good. Right. It kind of resonates with you in a realistic way. Okay. And when you go out with the dog, does the dog make you feel more comfortable, or are are you you know are you also freaked out for the dog? So if they're coming at me, I'm throwing my body on the line <laughs> to protect my dog first and foremost. I am a dog parent, number one. Gotcha. And um, whatever I have to do, be it a person or a monster from another dimension, whatever, I will try to fight this thing. But like I said, based on the YouTube series, that thing, there's no stopping you. You black out, and the next thing you know, you're woken up in weird places doing weird things. Right. Interesting. So if you don't know what Slender Man is, guys, it is horrific. The team on YouTube... Did a fantastic job considering their low bu- budget, mm-hmm. recording it and keeping you on suspense, and it's creepy. But was there also a movie called Slender Man? There or- might have been, but 
I had, I was already kind of freaked out by the YouTube series. Okay. And so there there was no way that I was going to continue to stoke the fire. Okay. Do you remember when that series came out? I started watching it my senior year of high school. Okay. That was 11 years ago. Okay. So sometime in 2008 or around there, Maybe 2009. 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Were there really good special effects? Is it was was it special effects heavy or was it more horrific because it felt realistic? It was all just costume and and camera tricks. Oh, okay. There wasn't a lot of special effects to be had. So it was practical. The grainy footage, you know, quick, quick darting back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another comparison would be, gosh, what was that movie that came out? Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project. It was shot similar to that, and those those kind of movies because they give you this, you know, standard horror horror films that have a steady camera and it's just you're just kind of watching these other people get, you know, chopped up. At the end of the day, it it's recorded like a movie. But all of these films where it's shaky camera and things like that, they make you feel like it's real footage. And that screws with me, man. That just absolutely yeah. gets to me. And it doesn't matter where you see it if you see it like in a theater or you see it the YouTube series, not talking about that, but the the Blair Witch Project also freaked you out. It doesn't matter. I mean, like I said, the YouTube the YouTube series was on my laptop, sitting on my dorm room bed. Like, right. There was there was no scene that was really set to to try to immerse you. Right. And that that it just gets to me. Like right, it's it's basically the equivalent of a friend saying, "Hey, man, look at this footage I just cra- captured. You're not going to believe it." And then you get goosebumps. It's not something that's crippling, right? It's just something that you get that feeling and then you just move on. Or are you... Well, no, yeah, it's not crippling, but I feel whenever I'm out there, I feel like I'm being watched. And okay. the interesting point of that is both of those fears emanated from the same style of recording. Right. And yet, paranormal activity, which is ghost, does not freak me out. Hmm. Which is, which is interesting because the reason why is it's not a tangible figure, right? It's, it's just, you know... Right, the wind knocks something, so it's 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 not stem centered around, and maybe I'm learning something about myself. Maybe it's not aliens or it's not Slender Man. Maybe it's the common the common thread there is abduction, right? Right. And maybe I'm being taken being away, abducted. Yeah. Which there's definitely some childhood stories to be had there. Right. Probably. <laughs> The human brain is really interesting the way that it can kind of twist things or or make you feel certain things based on past experiences. And it's not always obvious, right? It's not always a, a there's not always a one to one sort of connection between those two things. Um, the first thing that I think of is are you familiar with Fangoria magazine? I am not. Okay. It was a magazine that was big in the early 80s, but it was um, basically a magazine from the people who made Starlog, which sounded, you know, which was basically a Star Trek centric magazine. And we're talking paper magazines. Starlog was started in 1976. And originally, this Fangoria magazine was called Fantastica, which was basically going to be a fantasy-centric version of the Starlog 
which was just sci-fi. But they found that people don't want to talk about fantasy or don't want to read about fantasy. So it was a failure. And then it was changed to just focusing on mostly horror movies. So that's where um, it got changed to Fangoria. And it was as of issue seven, and this is kind of going to basically <laughs> tell you what time period it is. Issue seven featured Jack Nicholson from the movie Shining on the front cover of it. Classic. Yeah, very classic. With that, it switched, with that issue, it switched to just, just horror movies. And so all of these, when slasher pictures became big back in in the early 80s, that's when it was really started to, you know, like teen males, you know, um, were really into like the horror and and things like that. So the slasher movies, it would go behind the scenes and talk to horror directors and also show you things about how the special effects were done because they were all done practically. So that's what I think of. I remember one article in particular, and for some reason, all the, the quote unquote cool kids, the weird cool kids who would go about, go outside and smoke behind the building or whatever, were really into heavy metal and Fangoria magazine. <laughs> I remember seeing one where the focus was on American Werewolf in London. Did you ever see that movie? It's, it's pretty old. It's like 80s, but... I have not. I'm sorry. No need to apologize. There's a scene in there where he gets transformed into a werewolf that was done all practically. It's like these days, you you know, you see a CGI version of that where a transformation would occur. But this was all done in a very interesting, unique way. And I remember reading the article about how they had to do the makeup and position, you know, the actor. And it was, for some reason, that, that the how the sausage is made on those movies really intrigued me. I've said sort of a similar thing with respect to all 80s horror films. They they didn't have the CGI, so they had to use makeup and, and make things really look twisted and demented. That's why, in my opinion, Pet Cemetery is all-time scariest movie that I've ever seen and probably will ever see in my life, yeah. simply because the way they did that movie and, and the makeup on a lot of different scenes were just meant to just deeply disturb you right whereas now i think they kind of take a uh a cheat you know they just do the the cheap jump scares which fine that's scary but it's just it doesn't leave you with with chills and and make you just feel uncomfortable and i think that's the key into a horrific movie is is the sense of just feeling sick and uncomfortable exactly and i think you you covered my next question which is going to be what is your favorite horror film would you say that that Slender Man is your favorite horror film, or is that just something that impacted you and made you, uh, you know, scared of going out at night? So Slender Man is what I think of when I think horror. Okay. My favorite horror film, like I said, because of the disturbing nature of it and the fact that they hit what I define as a horror film nail on the head was Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Yeah, and you're talking the original one that came out in the '80s. Yes. Nerdbomber and I have watched that, and we've had to just pause and just stop for a second. Like, it, 
that's that's how like it resonates with its audience. That's really interesting. That I think that's what makes a successful horror movie, right? Is one that resonates with the audience. When people think of horror movies, they think of slasher pictures and 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 things like that. Is that incorrect? Or is that is that something that's painted by the fact that I grew up in the 80s and and so whenever I think of a horror movie, it's like Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like um, Halloween, or yeah, but those uh, don't scare me. Right, they're, they're just kind of hilarious. Okay. in my opinion. Right, you know, there's the trope that let's run up the stairs instead of going to a car. Let's right. Let's right. let's lock ourselves in a closet. Right, just, all these kids <laughs> doing dumb things. Right, it doesn't make sense in those movies, and it and it and it makes them not horror films. They become comedies. So blood or guts or anything disgusting doesn't have anything to do with it for you. No, again, going back to my prime example of Pet Cemetery, the worst, most horrific scene is right around like right before the kid even becomes this evil thing. There's this scene where it like flashes to the sister of the wife uh-huh. who is like disabled and like twisted up okay and it's like flashing and zooming in on her and like and it's just it's that scene that there's no chopping of limbs no guts no blood no nothing right and it's just deeply disturbing interesting when i think of something that's horrific i don't think of blood and guts and i'm glad that i'm not alone in that i think when you have a realism that like you mentioned earlier that this thing could happen. Uh, this this movie that I'm going to mention, it did have one kind of supernatural, silly thing at the end that kind of like snapped you back into reality. But up until the very end of the movie, it was all very plausible. I'm sure you've heard of Wes Craven. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Wes Craven is a, a re- renowned horror director who uh, in the 80s, his main thing was uh, gets associated with Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen all the Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, and that doesn't do anything for you either. You're not freaked out by it. I mean, Freddy Krueger is just just kind of a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> and he's kind of funny too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's always he's cracking sarcastic jokes. He's right. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think I watched one of those a couple times because it was like as I was a young perverted kid, and I think there was like a like a boob scene in there. <laughs> being honest okay L- logged some hours there that's for sure right <laughs> it's uh why is the why is the uh the film at this at this certain point of the of the film all worn it's like it gets all weird <laughs> Wes craven was basically the force behind the nightmare on elm street movies and a lot of i remember a lot of kids in high school were like oh they're really creepy and it's like don't fall asleep and you know all this stuff and you know, having nightmares and things like that. I have really low blood pressure, so as soon as I sit down, I'm sleeping, even if I'm watching Nightmare on Elm Street. So okay, okay. I guess I had to come to terms with it pretty quick. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. So you're like, it says don't fall, a-, and then you're asleep already, and you didn't hear the warning. Exactly. The horror movie, and this is something, like I said, Wes Craven was the director, but it's the movie Serpent and the Rainbow. Have you ever seen The Serpent and the Rainbow? I should just put a nope track. (laughs) So, yeah, I probably should just stop asking questions and go right into the 
you know, instead of saying, have you seen Serpent in the Rainbow? Uh, it was a film back in uh, 1988. Budget of $7 million. Made $19.6 million at the box office. But it was a movie about voodoo and and zombies. But it was done in a really interesting way. So it's based off a real-life event where uh, this... Huh? This person named, uh, uh, let's see, Clarvius Narcisse. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Uh, But he, in Haiti, died in 1962 and then returned to his village in 1980, saying that he was conscious as he was dying, but just paralyzed. So, and during his death and while he was buried... And later, someone came along and removed him from the grave and forced him to work at a sugar plantation for those 18 years he was missing. And people who talked to him confirmed, you know, this, that he had details of the children, of, you know, being in the village with family and things like that, that no one else would necessarily have, right? And they found, you know, the substance that was in the coffin that was made. It's it's some sort of uh, detura species of flowers that basically cause hallucinations. And there, it's a poison, but it's known to cause hallucinations. So, Clarvius. Would you name your kid Clarvius? No, I would never do that. We're going, we're adding more on the nope track. So... Clarvius comes back and they exhume the the casket. It's there's no one in there, and they find this substance that is uh, could paralyze someone. So it's basically based on that. But the, in the movie, Bill Pullman is uh, an anthropologist who's hired by a pharmaceutical company to investigate the drug that these Haitian voodoo priests use to create the zombies basically the people that they bring back to life so they can make some sort of super anesthetic and it was one of those things like i said it was pretty realistic as far as you know like like the whole it wasn't bloody it the the things that were horrific in the movie you didn't see on screen it's it was left up to the mind to to envision what happened was it the premise of being buried alive yeah, there's, I mean, that was the thing too, right? I mean, there's, these are all things that it's not about the blood and guts and the actual, you know, stuff that a lot of people think of when they think of horror. It's about, well, what would happen if, and you leave it up to the mind. And, and that is what makes a really successful horror movie, I think. It's not just, you know, killing or whatever. It, it's the psychological state that it puts you in and and how you wonder how you would respond and there's sort of a believability about it if you're into voodoo or just want to see a cool movie i would highly suggest you see serpent and the rainbow so (laughs) did you nope out of that yeah i don't think i'm going to watch that for for other reasons okay Um, do you mind if i ask why or because I, I had a nightmare about being buried alive oh. recently, and I don't want to. Okay, okay, 
Yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's a thing too, right? That's you know, like these these fears um, being closed off, and yeah. Originally, the, the the full cut was three hours long of this movie, but uh, fortunately for everyone who watched it, it was cut down to 90, 98 minutes. Do you have a viewpoint on long movies? As long as I got snacks, I'm having a good time. Okay, so honestly. it doesn't matter the length. So anything. So when we watch movies, I get we we have we have our our big snacks and our little snacks. Is okay, what we do we start off with. You know your 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 mustard and your and your mini hot dogs or, or your pizza bagel bites. Those are the big snacks, the high caloric value snacks. Okay. And then once those are finished, there's a large bowl of popcorn to go into to get you to the rest of the duration. And then the drink of choice is, um, you know, those large drink lemonade cups mm. that you, they sell like at all these different events and things like that. Maybe not lemonade. They're like Gatorade cups or like big okay. pulp cups. Yeah. Okay. Those big ones. Those those are the drinks we have set. So, yes, we're buckled in, ready to go. <laughs> so that's that's so as far as duration. As long as I got my snacks and my drinks, you're good. I'm I'm on it. I mean, it, it it's it doesn't matter if it's horror. That's that's how else do you get through the Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, that's I start to get antsy. And, um, yeah, that's, that's my, my reason why I just don't, I, I, three hours for a movie. I mean, I've made now in today's day and age, it's a lot easier to get through three hour movies because I can put it down, right? I can come to a point and then, but back going to the theater, I had a very strict, no three hour movie rule because if it takes that long, I just get antsy. Fair enough. So, I want to talk about another movie that you you've never seen <laughs> at some point, but I'm going to ask you a question first. Is there a particular scene in a movie, not necessarily a horror movie, that when you think of that movie, or I mean, you know, the scene itself is a horrific sort of scene um as far as it evokes this, you know, sort of sense of fear or horror. I mean, I've already alluded to exactly which scene. Yeah, right. It's 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 the one in Pet Cemetery with the sister. Right, right. But that's a, that's a traditional horror movie, right? That's not necessarily a, just a scene in general. I mean, yeah, I, I can I, I'll accept that as your answer if you can't think of a, a non horror movie. I don't know of a non horror movie that invokes fear. Okay. Okay. I guess. Do you have an example? Well, I have an example of. I mean, it's 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 an adventure movie that was made in 1985. Um, Young Sherlock Holmes. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, that that makes me happy. So do you do you remember the part with the uh, the stained glass window when these people were hallucinating and they had these hallucinations uh-huh. and there was the stained glass window that jumped out and came alive and chased him into basically his death. Um, do you remember that scene? Yeah. Okay. That that freaked you out? No, it didn't freak me out. I just thought it was a cool scene. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of gives you this sense that 
hallucinations, right? I mean, hallucinations can be anything. It's, it's whatever the imagination can create. So it can be anything from something goofy, like what happened to, to Watson with the, you know, the little cakes and things tying him down, to something like a stained glass window coming alive and, and threatening to attack you. I think that that is, it. yeah, the scene itself may be laughable, um, but think about how the human brain can can create things that are even more horrific than that and, you know, hallucinations or otherwise. I mean, that's sort of why Slenderman can be terrifying, right? right. That's That's based on the fact of you see all these tall shadowy figures when you're out at night and it's, it's 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 trees it's telephone poles it's nothing threatening at all right but the mind kind of goes tricks. to a place of this this we're being watched right um we better protect ourselves right which right. always makes me wonder as far as an evolutionary uh stance you know why does the brain do it and why does it look for humanoid things that are watching it yeah. And why does that make them uneasy? It's, it creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you, you you stumbled upon something that makes perfect sense, which is, you know, as humans, um, if we were alone in an environment that was unfamiliar, I mean, you know, being watched, we would want to have that feeling. You know what I mean? So, so we could act appropriately and be prepared and you know, um, the fear starts your, the endorphins going and, and, and starts to, you know, get you ready. But other than that, I mean, I don't know, you know, how much, how, how useful that is. It's, it seems like it's more of a, um, you know, you can, you can drive yourself to panic. Any other closing thoughts on, uh, on horror in horror movies for i mean it's before we hit it hit our video games no i think i'm i think i've covered my main sect of horror films okay okay you said you you have a fear of alien and i guess we would we would be remiss <laughs> i'm not going to use that i'm not going to use the <laughs> the uh, illegal we would be remiss if but anyway um the movie alien the movie alien was something that seemed so horrific back then, but not now, scary, right? You you think it's not scary, correct? Okay, so so the idea of something you swallow, growing inside you and bursting out of your chest is not is not because that's not an alien. That's a monster just trying to feed. Okay, okay, but the, I'm talking about the movie Alien. That's that's part of the way that they breed, right? No, yeah, I, I know. Okay. <laughs> um that it's it's sort of under the same classification of uh, a zombie or or a, or a vampire where they're just feeding and and spreading, feeding and spreading, not really um taking you, experimenting on you. They don't want to kill you. Right. But they want to keep you around and study you and, and Right. And that's more that's that's more horrific to you than Take me, kill me fast, I'm fine. Just don't study me and prod me and yeah definitely don't do the anal probes 
and then if i if if they just release me then i'm stuck in this in this state of telling people what i experienced and everyone just thinks i'm crazy no one believes me i lose all my friends my life spirals out of control and then where am i wow i've thought about this <laughs> i can tell tactic you've definitely thought about this so anything like that is just it's more laughable to you so anything like alien or whatever um in the horror genre alien is just a jump film it's the same kind of yeah way in which they're trying to scare you because it's it's not something i mean in what world is there going to be this alien species where i'm on a spacecraft in outer space trying to fight them off right i guess civilian space travel is becoming a thing now so maybe soon so maybe soon (laughs) it's kind of interesting what people are afraid of my father had a fear of spiders and i mean it seemed to me to be irrational because he would freak out whenever he saw a spider and he was this big man who could definitely step on a spider. But something about being horrified, there's a, there's a component to it that, that to me, it's an irrational fear. What do you think? I don't know. I think it's a, it's rational to the person, right? right. I mean, right. And so, I don't think there's there there's some kind of traumatic experience or or something that resonated with them at, in their life in which that their body tells them stay away from that it's right. it's, it's no good you have yeah. no business being near that I think any fear can be really prescribed as rational in my opinion okay I'm not afraid of spiders I, I like I said I'm I'm afraid of being abducted and buried alive right those are you know those are two very real things that can happen but but that was after me kind of rooting down into the films in which i found horrifying it it wasn't an an instant thought slash realization of what i am afraid of right right so to my point is with enough digging i think anything can be rationalized okay sci-fi and horror why do you think those things do you think those things are classified together no you can you can have a sci-fi film that's not horror and a horror film that's not sci-fi right um they just tend to blend well when you have big scary monsters right which brings us into the dead space trilogy what do you think about that that series of games in general so you're gonna probably freak out i have not yet played dead space oh okay so i've evaluated making the weapons from dead space with you know Arduino and Raspberry Pi because I I find I find the light up aesthetic behind them very satisfying. But I have not. Generally, in this household, we steer away from horror video games. Okay. Minus one that I bought for Nerd Bomber for a birthday, which I ended up having to play for her because she was too scared. Wasn't Dead by Daylight? Was it? The Evil Within. Was that something that you weren't scared of because of your? specific i found that game incredibly challenging and it made my palms sweaty because you had to be hyper aware okay and 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 it was a lot of jump scares but after i put it down i i did not lose sleep or anything like that right right partly because i was sitting so i brought i brought back the joke it's a it's a callback it's a callback so with something like that game is it the jump scares what is it to you? Jump scares aren't necessarily horrific, right? They yeah. can show you some sort of piece of something that's 
that may be horrific or a vision or a decapitated head or, or whatever. But jump scares by themselves are just devices used to heighten the suspense, right? I think it's used to heighten the suspense and they're trying to make you scared by having these ghoulish figures. But I don't know, just the fact that it's a video game and, and the graphics right, right. aren't still quite there yet. Right. It, it just it doesn't stick with me. The main reason I'm not huge into horror video games is, is not because it's scary, but rather because there's a lot of just being hyper aware and having good reaction times. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sweaty person. <laughs> okay. Just, and and that kind of, you know, being on your toes all the time gets me sweatier. Right. And then I have to, I have to change shirts mid play. And it's this whole thing. Towel off. You gotta go outside, get the garden hose going. You, you think I'm joking. No, it no, is, no, 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 no. I'm bad. I, yeah. I have known people who have really, you know, extreme sweating issues. Um, but it's only certain games, certain genres of games, and that's why, like I said, I have to have a spare shirt on already. So what other what other genres? Um, anything that's hyper intense, like Rocket League, for example. Okay. You're always aware. You're always tracking the ball. You're moving quick. You're reacting fast. All right. It's basically like playing sports. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. So so it's a it's anything where you are hyper aware of your surroundings in the or game. Or super competitive. Like another one is is Smash. Okay. You know. So you sweat at that too? Yeah, I just I we're, we're getting to the to the point where we're realizing I have a real perspiration problem. <laughs> um I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> I am. You're fine. Okay. Okay, good. Good. I don't want to offend. I I've, I've known some pretty sweaty people my in my in my life it sounds like you need to be here that's what it sounds like you need to be in arizona if you can if you can stand the heat it sounds like you would be cool beyond belief because of evaporative cooling that's fair because you have you guys have the nice dry heat yes we do most of the time we do have uh, a monsoon season here that occurs uh, usually around july um, and august but that's the only time it gets, you know, and occasionally during winter time. But yeah, in general, it's just it's dry heat. If you, the the problem is that how high the temperature gets. That's usually the problem. So I think I think uh, Bash is trying to tell me something. He knocked my glasses off the table. You haven't played Dead Space, so Dead Space must be the thing that Illegal Eighty Six is all about, right? That's the one. Yes. Okay, because it is a weird sort of story about aliens and this thing that is is not understood and turns people into monsters and all sorts of things like that which i do remember some jump scares in that 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 was kind of the game did a good job of not relying entirely on jump scares and using them appropriately like like anything in a game i think if you use it every once in a while and don't overuse it it could be an interesting device. Yeah, you can really maximize its effect. Exactly. I think that sometimes, though, people just want to... It's like, oh, yeah, let's give them jump scares because that's what they want. So you can overuse that in video games or movies. You haven't played Dead by Daylight. I know that because you don't like horror things. But do you like survival games? 
Uh, I we play a, a good amount of zombie survival games, um, but again, that's more. I'd honestly compare that with Animal Crossing. Okay, wait. Okay, this this is going to require some explanation. I'm just trying to build up my village, and then I got I got the Nook landlord bringing me down all the time. It's no different than zombie hordes, right? Oh, you're you're talking Tom Nook, yeah, the slumlord bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does give you an interest-free loan though. I mean, yeah, that doesn't happen. A very better often. example might be Ark, where you're just trying to build up a nice little area, mm-hmm. and then you got. Stupid dinosaurs stomping around. Stupid dinosaurs. Speaking of which, kind of like uh, open world games. Um, did you play uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? I did not. Okay. I meant to get to it, but um, Nerd Bomber was hoarding the console. Gotcha. I'm I'm guessing that she loved it. Yeah, she she swears it was the game of the year when she played it. Yeah, yeah. I I I concur. Anytime that you've got uh, you're shooting robotic dinosaurs with a bow and arrow. That's all you got to tell me. I, I've greenlit the project as soon as you tell me that. Horror related to video games. So there's nothing that really is horrific to you. Um, the closest thing to I got to getting legitimately scared was in a VR experience. Okay. And I believe it was a the Resident Evil. Okay. And it was like a, an abbreviated experience. Okay. So it was it so, was it like a demo? Yeah, the, but the raw immersion kind of made you feel like you were really up against the tides and in that experience I said, "Wow, they they definitely hit the nail on the head on freaking me out." Right. But the second you take the headset off, it, it it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I've been asking a lot of people whether they think the next iteration, and I think you've 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 talked about this on on your program on uh, the Online Warriors podcast. But do you think the next iteration of where video games are going is going to be strictly VR? Is that is that no. the path? Okay, you don't think no. so. I think we're still very much, at least in the next five years, at a stage where VR is the side gimmick okay and it's not the main until they can get a vr system that is immersive but not clunky Mm -hmm. because let's be honest the vr headset is huge oh you're talking about on playstation definitely on on most of them it's a they're all huge headsets they yes they vary in size but at the end of the day it's this big helmet right that you're wearing Mm -hmm. and yeah i know that it, it it's gotten wireless, which is nice. I mean, very nice. Right. Um, but it's still this big thing. Mm-hmm. I almost want a way for them to just give you full rooms that somehow you can just project onto that hides your furniture and everything. That when we're at that point of technology, then that's where it, that that's it. But mm. as long as we have these big clunky systems, we're not there. Right. All right. Have you done uh, like VR in like buildings and stuff, like in in other places, or and um, yeah, I've been in VR rooms and yeah, and played on various systems, but it, I mean it's all really the same. Yeah, as far as what you're wearing and yeah, how you're doing it. Yeah, it's generally 
generally heavy. So so unless the technology really gets um, super small, super fast, we're not gonna we're not gonna have VR for a while. Which I mean, it's going to get smaller very quickly. That's uh, I want to say someone's law. I'm drawing a blank here, but the the electronics law says that we're going to keep getting smaller and smaller. Right. And so it's bound to happen and until they put VR contact contacts in my eyeballs. Right. It's not going to be the main. <laughs> Is it do you want that? Do you want like a visor or VR contacts or something connected directly to your brain? I mean, I'm a huge fan of augmented reality. Okay. I'd okay. love I'd love to be able to um walk around, see the time in the top right corner when I walk up to a person, know their name without going, Hey, Jeff, <laughs> dude, <laughs> that's my big one. My go-to is, is, Hey buddy. Yeah. And right. Usually it works. Yeah. No one notices, but yeah, I usually just start asking them questions and, you know, forget about the name. Oh, what time is it? And then you, you know, you, you get past the introduction part if you don't know their name and then you, uh, go to your buddy and say, Hey, Dude, could you ask this guy his name? <laughs> and then they get they go and do it, right? Or like someone yeah. right, someone like, you know, you introduce yourself. The big thing that I always did was I would just give my friend Michaela a signal and and that would just mean that she would ask so I didn't look like an idiot because I just looked like a jerk because I didn't introduce them. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm like I said, I, I'm I'd love all that technology to just be able to see names. Yeah. I'm here for the age of the cyborg, honestly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, to me, there are a lot of cautionary tales and, and things that, you know, but we've got Black Mirror for that. You know what? With that, with all new technology, there's just going to be more and more cautionary tales. And that's just the way it is. It's just going to be people getting scared about technology and not understanding it. And then, you know, and then that passes and then goes on to the next thing that people get scared about and don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's also a part of horror or being scared is is uh, a lot of not understanding whatever it is that that you're afraid of. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> it's the bane of the human existence. Yeah, I, I guess so. Pump me full of nanites so that I can live forever and call it a day. That sounds like a good plan. Pump you, full, pump you full of nanites. Do you have any parting words of wisdom on the word horror, other than don't go to the pet cemetery? Yeah, my parting words are: it's pronounced horror, <laughs> because I said I'm pretty sure I said horror a couple times. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's something different. You're not afraid of those, are you? I don't know. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not in video games. Anyway, so on that note, let's go ahead and close the show, shall we? Sure. We're going to sing and dance. No, we're not going to sing and dance. So that was our show on horror. I hope you enjoyed it. With that, let's just say goodbye. And uh, I've been Ben. And I'm Tectic. And we've been your hosts. Thank you very much. Have a great Halloween. Ooh. Ooh.